Can you uh, can you change his name? You can change his name, right? I can. He's a cheeky bastard, but this is funny. Well played. <laughs> uh... Just for the listener there, Daz has joined the call and changed his his, his uh, Zoom name to your boss. <laughs> he's already came on and owned the two of us. In his opening <laughs> moment, he's not said a fucking word. Well played. Well played, Dan. <laughs> How's it going? Not good, bad, you? Yeah, good. Good to see you both. Lovely what? to see you both. Apologies. I felt um, after the last episode's abuse, I felt I should come on and uh, give a fair representation of myself. <laughs> you nailed it. Well played. <laughs> yeah. Mate, you've done a typo, though. It should be your boss, no? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh what's happening? Nice to see you both. Likewise, you too, likewise. You're looking well. Having a beer, having a dram. What are you drinking? Uh yes, yes. I am having a little beer at the moment. Um is you know it's quarter past eight here here in Edinburgh. I don't know what time it is in space side, Mitch. <laughs> well, you know we're uh, two hours ahead of you, right? <laughs> Aye, I'm Twenty well, years 20 behind years the rest of us. <laughs> 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 it's almost a wee, a wee jinx moment there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. What, what's what's been happening at your end, guys? Busy week. Lots of goings on. Very. I am literally. I've ran home. So thanks first and foremost for coming on a little bit later tonight. I I literally landed from Houston less than an hour ago and drove home and came straight on here. Well. That's a lie. As as Mitch saw, I had a piece of cake, a piece of chocolate cake and ice cream because I've not eaten anything to eat all day because I was up early to get my flight. Is and that part blood, of your five a day, mate? My blood sugar just tanked. <laughs> like, I'm going to come on here and be like, what do you want, Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why are you coming back? What is yeah, that? Like, what's, 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 what, do you, what do you want? Like, Tell us about yeah. your whiskey, mate. Right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mate, I was Houston. I've been to Houston a couple of times. And uh, some great bars, good restaurants and stuff in Houston as well. Man. Great bars, great bars. Yeah. It was in a bar called um, IKTO. I know the owner. Superb. Oh, oh no, cheeky, right? I quite like that. So IKTO, I know the owner. Um, and uh, yeah, great little spot in, in, in downtown Houston. A couple of events with Total Wine and More as well. Uh, seeing our fantastic partners out there and tasting some, some whiskey with classroom events. And... Yeah, quick trip in and out for two days, but hot and humid as well. So 97 degrees yeah. and really 90, I think it was 95% humidity. Like a fish. It's breathing water, what's, man. Yeah. What's it here right now, Daz? What are we at? Like 13 degrees today, centigrade? Yeah, it's dropped off. Hey, last week was incredible, but yeah, this week it's dropped off. It's kind of back to normal sort of autumn weather, to be fair. No complaints. Oh, here we go. What does that say? Oh, come on. You can't just start writing little letters and putting them across the screen. That's <laughs> that's not how you do podcast, Mitch. No one can see that. They don't even know what it says. Is it? <laughs> what, what? Could you read it? What did it say? It, it said, Daz has a big C some. I can't remember what it actually said. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Pronounce it, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you send a script? No, there is no, no script. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's good. That's good. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, because that's um, that's usually what happens when I organise the episodes. Is nobody really knows what's going on, and until we start rambling away, um, and that's very much the case today. So it's it's great to be back, boys. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's lovely to see you both today. What we're going to be doing is talking lots and lots about Distillers One of One, and I'm sure you boys are really interested to hear about some of the lots that are coming through. One of them that 
that I'm working on is, of course, the beautiful Bomore. So that's a, a little bit of a heads up as to what's coming for the episode. Mitch, you got wait, any? Wait, 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 wait. Are you are you are you doing you doing our intro? Remember, you don't do this job anymore, pal. I had a question. So in order to finish this tee up of this episode, we'll see if you actually want to answer this question. Now that you're doing your new fancy job, right? Private client, yeah, yeah. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to see how much of a schmoozer you really are. So, right, this is this is the question. You don't need to answer it, but we'll know straight away from the look in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's bigger? Your salary or your expense account? Well, I think <laughs> you both you know. I think you both know it's my expense account. And, and it's actually, it, it is very funny that you should mention it because uh, we had a, a, an interesting conversation this afternoon about that. So my, uh, my, uh, my boss is a guy called John Lomax, a um, brilliant guy. He's, he's, he's been around the industry for, for at least 237 years. And, um, and, and he, uh, we had a, a wee chat about that today. So, yeah. But let's move on. Uh, so I heard they had to hire somebody else just to handle your expenses and doing your receipts every month. You know, I actually I remember from my time at my time at Diageo and um, back in the day we were we were there and I always had it in the back of my mind. I was like, I'll know I've made it when I've got somebody to do my expenses for me. And um, that hasn't happened yet, Nick. So it's it's, it's work in progress. <laughs> You've not got those kids trained at home yet. <laughs> no. Sitting down with the visors on. <laughs> well, I tell you, they'll, they'll be a lot better at it than I am. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Oh that's, that, that's goals right there. So for everyone listening, welcome to this episode. As you may have heard, we've got Daz back on the show. He kept pleading with us. He kept just sending us emails, calling every day, said he was crying himself to sleep because he hadn't been on an episode of Not Another Whiskey podcast for so long. So Daz, welcome back to the show, man. Great to have you here. Woo! Oh, man. Uh, yeah, thanks, Nick. Yours. No, honestly, I'm buzzing. It's so nice to be back. It really is. Um, I have been knocking at the door for quite a few a few times just to see if I could get back on. Guys, I've just been to the whiskey shop. Any chance I could come on and talk about it? Any excuse? <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, but I think I think this one's a, this one's a cracker actually. There's um, there's a lot going on over the next month, uh, and yeah, we've got lots and lots to talk about, especially around Distillers 101. And I think that's uh, yeah, that's mega, right? Before, and it is. It's, mm. Well, before we get into that, I want to get into that. Um, and I want to know where my sample is that you sent me yesterday. But anyway, we'll, we'll get into that as well. Tell bad. everyone what you've been up to, mate. Not not everyone knows what's been happening since you uh, since you dumped me from the podcast, and I had to get a new uh, co-host, must much improved co-host, obviously, Nicholas. So, thank you, brother. Yeah, well, well, before before, I mean, yeah, since since not another whiskey, not another whiskey podcast downgraded, um, and, <laughs> and, and, and went truly global. Um, I uh, when I mean global, I mean it went west coast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lock Loman to be specific. Uh, no, I mean, I'm a, so yeah, I've, it's all going well, mate. It's all going well. Uh, as you know, I'm looking after the sort of private client side for, for Beam Suntory. A, a lot of that work is Never heard of them. Never small, heard of them. Small distiller, <laughs> small distiller, couple of wee farm distilleries. And uh, the the Beaumore distillery is is taking up most of my time at the moment. Yep. And, you know, that's, that's really exciting. One of the things I think that's always fascinating about island distilleries is they don't always have a lot of old stock, you know, because of the past. And 
you, you know, you do tend to see a lot of the really old whiskies coming from the mainland distilleries. There's a few examples where that's not the case, but generally that is the case. Um, so it's brilliant, you know, to get into those faults and, and have a wee nosy around and rummage around and, and see what's going on. And there's a few things I think that have been brilliant. You know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of work with a guy called uh, Ron, Wel uh, Ron Welsh, who was the, um, the former master blender for Beam Suntory. Uh, and, and, you know, he's just retired as well uh, in the last sort of six months. So mm -hmm. uh, working with people like that who have that breadth and depth of knowledge and stuff yeah. is, is always one of the motivations for all of us, right? 100%. Um, and, and all your guests, you know, whether they're new into the industry or have been in it for years and years, you know, their levels of expertise and stuff like that are something you just sit back and listen and try and take it in as best you can. Um, so working with people like him is great. And there's also uh, Callum as well. So Callum's the... Um, He's the new blender that's sort of overtaken from Ron and, and he's amazing, like absolutely brilliant. And, and, and he's the one really over the last few months that's given me access to some of these very old rare samples uh, and, and tasting those and getting access to those recently is, has been fabulous. So yeah, every, I mean, it's great. I'm loving it. I'm learning a lot. Uh, Bowmore's not a distillery I knew that well. I mean, I, I knew it and I did drink a few Bowmore's, but I didn't really maybe appreciate you know, the subtleties within it and the flavor profile yeah. as it ages, especially it gets into that kind of plus 30 year stage. Yeah. It really does transform quite a lot. I don't know about you boys, but is it, what's your kind of experience with Bomore specifically? Have, have you guys got a sort of soft spot for it or? Do I say it was the first Isla distillery I went to visit. So, ah. yeah. So, and it was my first ever Fejil festival. And that was the first distillery to it. I did. So it, was, it really does have a special place in my heart. And it, the whiskies are fantastic. And you're right. You know, you said at the start, you know, a lot of island distillies don't tend to have a lot of aging stock. And and the main reason for that is because of the warehousemen. I think you can all agree. So. <laughs> well, I don't want to dob anyone in, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't want to point any fingers, it. but let's start pointing <laughs> fingers. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't want to name any names, but. Let me just open up my Rolodex here. No, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a, uh, to to me, Bowmore's has always been one of those distillery, distilleries that um, it still has that romance around it. Like it's it's on an island, like it's got, and it's right on the in, in the harbour front. Like it's just really, really pretty, and it's just a, a very tranquil kind of place as well as as are a lot of the distilleries that are on on Isla. But but Bowmore specifically, I think it's just a really beautiful property. It's a beautiful layout, you know. Still had the floor maltings and and things like that. So it's just it's cool. It's like cool. It's a cool distillery to go and walk around as well, with a with an amazing history. Yeah, I mean, no, and, and yeah. to back that up, it's got this unbelievable tasting room, right? I mean, the view yeah. you get from that tasting room. But I think the best experience I've had with Bowmore Daz was when you took me down to Goodwood in the summer. That was that was pretty cool. Oh, little yeah, Bowmore experience in the uh, yeah. in their VIP spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really nice. I mean, the Aston part, Aston Martin partnership is, you know, it's brilliant. And um, I, I think we've, I, I think the team uh, have has done a brilliant job on that. One of the first things I started to work on, if you remember, Mitch, was the Arc Fifty Two, um, Bowmore Aston Martin collaboration piece, and you know that's just a really really special, um, beautiful product as well. And in fact. The whiskey that, that we're going to talk about tonight um, is just another brilliant example of Bowmore from the 60s. And that that is a decade, actually, for Bowmore is, is pretty exceptional. Um, and, and of course, you know, a, a lot of people, when you think of distilleries, there's usually like a release, isn't there, that you think of that, that takes you straight back to, you know, that particular moment. And 
and I think on on McAllen, right? It would be eighteen uh, or the or the or the Grand Reservas, um, you know, that that really have made that statement for McAllen over the years. I think if you go to Highland Park, it's the Highland Park eighteen. Um, yeah. I know you guys, you know, your, your work at, at Grants, I'm sure Balveni and, and Glenfiddich have got one product that everybody at the distillery always talked about. Everybody in the market's always kind of gravitated towards. And, and, and on Beaumore, you know, it's got to be Black Beaumore, right? Um, in terms of the product that, that really defined it and, and really sort of changed the perception of, of what single malt whiskey can be, right? Not just, not just Beaumore, because it came out in 1993, um, first of all. Um, and really was one of the first single malt whiskies, maybe the first, to, to break that $100 mark, which uh, raised a lot of eyebrows at the time. Um, now, bearing in mind it was distilled in 1964 um, and then bottled in 93, so, you know, a good 29-year-old, that first Black Bomore was. But Black Bomore has become a bit of a myth, a bit of a legend, and, and, and it really has, I think, um, allowed Bomore to, to become perceived as a, as one of these sort of more premium, slightly prestige single malt whiskey brands, and in the nineties, that was something that you know was was in its very very early days. I say, I just when we were speaking about that, all of that, I totally tuned you out. To be fair, sorry, I'd say I went to my whiskey shop by me to pick out a bottle of Wilmore, and I've got a, it's the Fejil bottling from two thousand and twelve. It's a 15-year-old. It was non-chill filtered and at cast strength. It's 55.4% ABV. And it's absolutely phenomenal. Like, it's mm. just a fantastic... Actually, I bought two of them, so I've got an extra one back there. They're not supposed to sell you two. It's supposed to be just one. But, Ooh, but because, because I didn't live in Scotland, I kind of put on my puppy dog yeah. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the fantastic people inside the shop allow me to take two bottles. So I put two uh. in my suitcase. And I've still got, I mean, that's the, the first bottle. I've really, I'll share it with selective generosity. But it's yeah. a fantastic whiskey. And it's it makes you feel like, it's like a flashback to being at the distillery. Like, it's just so cool. Just like, it's yeah. like being on the island. It's just a brilliant nose. And it's the smoke's there, but it's just so much more going on in the glass. Like, that's what I love about it. It's not just a peat monster. There's a lot yes. of floral notes and really bright. Like, they still get the new make flavors. And all the, the citrus and apple notes and, and some of the, the kind of waxier notes as well that are there. It's yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased, actually, you mentioned apple. Um, and I, I, I do find Beaumore, you know, to be quite expressive. There's there's a lot of different flavors going on, as you've just sort of talked about there. It's, it's, not, it's not just one thing, lots of, you know, supported mm. by lots of wee things. Everything that shows up, uh, shows up almost with kind of equal presence, right? So you've got like apple spice, bit of molasses, maybe even treacle coffees and all that sort of stuff. And there is this underlying rhythm of smoke, but it's not it's not that punchy, the smoke. You know, it's a medium-peated single yep. malt. It's not that heavy. Um, what tends to happen is that flavor shift from, like, apple, uh, as time goes on, it starts to drift into tropical, which is quite peculiar, right? And that, that's one of the things that we'll talk about in a wee minute. But Bomora, about 20 to 25 years old, starts to develop some of these exotic fruit characters, and it moves away from orchard fruits and the smoke as it drops off it, it intensifies that kind of tropical fruit into like baked pineapple spiced pineapple mangoes and papayas and what's really fascinating about that is that's not really what you associate with old whiskey yeah. um you know and, and and it's and it's very peculiar especially in that era of the 60s and the early 70s where we see a lot of that coming through there's probably mm -hmm. a number of reasons for that but yeah the 15 year old 
the not that one particularly, but generally the sort of 15-year-olds I've tried from Bowmore, um, I, I haven't actually tried that one, um, is the balance of the house style comes through very well. I, I think you get a feel for everything that's going on in the glass with the 15. The core 15 does that as well. Um, and actually, I think the 15 that's just, you know, the, the, the core range 15, it tends to be the kind of guys at the distillery's favourite as well. That, yeah. That's their go-to. Yeah, for, for that reason, all those flavour profiles you mentioned. Yeah, it's cool. And it's just it's just a nice touch. Like, it's all hand-filled and things like that as well. So it's cool. Yeah. So, Daz, what the fuck do you do in your job? What, does it what do I do? Well, <laughs> I, typically, 90, 90% of my time is dedicated to ignoring people like you. Um, and then... <laughs> I've noticed. Ken, yeah. He's mastered <laughs> then, the Rubik's Cube, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And then, and then 10, 10% of my time is, is looking after people who are really looking to collect and, and build beautiful collections and really enjoy our single malt whiskies. And it's not it's not specific to Bowmore. It, it could be on Glengarry. Um, you know, Glengarry's got some lovely old stock and um, a few of the other distilleries there as well. Lefroig is one that, you know, everybody knows of Lefroig. You don't see a lot of old Lefroig knocking about. Um, you know, there's been a few 30-plus-year-olds. The last 40-year-old that came out from Lefroig was 2001. So there's not lots of old stock at Lefroig, kind of going back to the point we were talking about earlier on, just because mm. of the nature of the, of the game in the past. Uh, Lefroig wasn't laying down stock for a long time. That's one of the weird things, I think, that, you know, with Beaumore particularly is that, you know, that's something they've been doing regularly for a while. If you look at some of the age statements that were put out in the 80s and the 90s, there was 30-year-olds coming out of Beaumore back then, uh, which was, you know, not not normal for, for distilleries in Scotland, especially the island distilleries. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just looking after some of the rare products uh, and connecting with collectors and drinkers around the world and, and trying to help them get access to them. Um, and within that, what it means is it means I get to go to Isla a lot um, with people that are traveling into Scotland, you know, to source some of these bottles. And that's that's really good fun, you know. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, we, we talked about this um, in previous episodes, but the, the Aston Martin's at the distillery, the DBX, uh, yeah. Bowmore edition. What did you like to call it? The, the company car? The company car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it? It, it's, it's becoming a wee bit, I am hogging it. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> um but no that's that's brilliant and it really does bring to life it's a great way to see the island it brings to life this brilliant partnership that we have with aston martin and it's a great way you know um you know before visiting the distillery and doing the tasting and just getting a bit of a feel for you know what's going on on isla and then of course after our little spin around the island we can go and have a a few nice whiskies to to sort of sit back and relax and and, and enjoy enjoy what isla brings so yeah that, that's that's pretty much what i'm doing yeah nice mate Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. I, and I think it must be quite an exciting company to work for right now. I mean, you know, you you kindly got me um, hooked up at Glengarry. It was the first time I went around that distillery. It was great to see the floor maltings being put back mm -hmm. in there and start working again. There's expansions for going on for Lafroig right now. There's all the stuff going on with Aston Martin and, and Beaumore. So, I, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure there's a load more behind the scenes that you're not allowed to talk about right now, but it seems like there's a lot of, of growth within the whiskey and this whiskey section of, I should say, of, uh, of Beam Suntory, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, do you know, it's, it's the first company I've worked for where Scotch maybe hasn't been the priority. Yeah. Right? Um, and you, you've worked for William Grants. You know, it's a, it's a whiskey business, you know. Uh, Mitch and I, when we were at Diageo, it was very much becoming a whiskey business. You know, most of the work we did, definitely towards the end, was very focused on on whiskey. 
I think Beam in the past has, you know, been very focused on their American and Japanese brands and, and, and the Scotch brands. They haven't, they've not been neglected, but they, they didn't get the same amount of energy um, that maybe the, you know, the, the other brands from different parts of the, country, the, the world sort of came from. So, you know, it's great to see Scotch get a focus. And I, yeah. and I feel that, yeah, there's a huge amount of appetite and energy now going into the Scotch brands. And as you say, you know, bringing back a floor maltings, bringing back direct fire wash stills, um, extending fermentation times across the distilleries back to kind of how it was in previous years, uh, you know, pre kind of 90s is brilliant, right? That's all the stuff that helps you make great whiskey. Uh, and that's definitely something that, you know, the whole industry is maybe recognizing now, but, but Beam's way down the tracks on that. So yeah, really exciting time, big investment going into distilleries, uh, lots of exciting stuff happening across the brands. And then um, some brilliant stuff going on um, in the rare whiskey space as well. You know, we do have some brilliant aging stock and, you know, that's, that's the stuff that gets you really excited, right? That, that's a, uh, it's so much more than a job when you get access to these types yeah. of things because it's a, it's a, it's not just about working, right? It's about learning. It's about getting a feel for things and and hearing about you know how things were done in the past and everything. And and we all love that. And I know a lot of the listeners from the questions that that we used to get. I don't know if you get questions anymore because because you probably know everything that you can just tell everyone <laughs> uh, what they need to know. But it's you know the questions that, that, that we used to get. You've been where... reading my mother's book of backhanded compliments. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that that you know that that's something that that a lot of people that don't work in the industry always wonder. You know, was that laid down on purpose? No, yeah. of course it wasn't. You know, those people yeah. didn't know what was going to be happening in twenty twenty three and um. I was really lucky. I was at a dinner on a Tuesday night and uh, Richard Patterson was at the table. Um, now, I, I, won't, I won't give away Richard's vintage, um, but he's two or three year, years older than me. And, um, you know, we're <laughs> sitting down and, and just talking. It's the, uh, you know, even him, you know, the way he's talking about it, it's still like there's new stuff happening. Yeah. There's, you know, and he's still learning and, and he's so open to hearing what else is going on in the industry. And you're just like, that's I mate, I love that, you know, that, that sort of hunger for it. Yeah. Mitch mentioned a little bit earlier, obviously there'll be some stuff that's going on that you're not allowed to talk about, right? What would yeah. some of those things be? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's get it all out here, right? Let's, let's get a fully, a fully unedited version going on. But, you know, I think there's probably a few things that, well, I, I don't think a lot of people knew about Glengarry going back to floor maltings, bringing back direct fired stills and uh, just some of the things that happened within that. And, and they, they do run kilns, right? Um, to, to dry the barley like like they do at the kind of the, there's eight distilleries in Scotland that are still operating right with the floor maltings uh, and, and most of those have peat or coke fired kilns what I was quite surprised to see at Glengarry was um, almost like a heat exchanger blowing hot air up into the, the kiln floors so you don't actually burn any fuel so that, that, that's the first time I've ever seen that I was, I was really kind of taken aback I saw it attached to the side of the kiln and I was like is that what I think? Is that a heat exchanger going? And it is, yeah, yeah. And that was quite because obviously there was no peat and no coke knocking about, no one stoking the kiln. Yeah. Um, and I, I was so blown away by that. But I don't think a lot of people might know that. And and you know, we'd love to bring that back to some of the other distilleries as well, where it might benefit flavour. Um, and, and that's something I'm sure the team are looking at. And, and don't mind me saying they are looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Might, might be an edit coming up here. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, totally. oh, this episode's yeah. under embargo until 2025. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, be the, wouldn't be the first time we had to edit an episode after we've put it on air. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back. I'll be back in. Um, I'll be back in three months as a as a as a regular co-host again, boys. <laughs> no, you won't. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So outside of that, so obviously you're spending quite a bit of time back in Isla. Are you, are you traveling internationally with this new role as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mate, I've, I've been out and about. Um, it was really cool to get back over to Asia. Uh, I was over in uh, Singapore, Taiwan. I went to South Korea. Um, oh, very first cool. First time I've, I've spent any time there, really. And it was amazing. I didn't yep. realize, actually, just how much of a highball culture it is. Um, and actually, very similar to Taiwan in some ways, the, the food and drink culture is like, uh, you know, hand in hand. Yep. Um, you know, lots of drinking with uh, Korean barbecue, yep. uh, obviously local, local, a lot of local spirit consumed there. Um, but whiskey, you know, le- I didn't see as much single malt as I do in Taiwan. It's it's not as strong, but there's a lot of really good, like, highball whiskeys going down. So good yep. blends, premium blends, a lot of Japanese whiskey. Uh, Suntory's massive um, in, in South Korea and the highballs. They've got these things, right? They're like um, vending machines for, like, highballs. Yep. I guess it's almost like a, like a post-mix mcdonald's unit you know that you push the button and your cola comes out you push a button your whiskey comes out and then you just pull a lever and it fills it with ice like but they're pretty sophisticated they're really quite like yeah the measurements and stuff are bang on yeah and and they don't they don't miss a beat and the ice cubes are incredible you know they're like one of those ones you know if you like threw it at a car it would like go through the door you know what i mean it's like yeah. those really heavy solid ice ice cubes brilliant yeah. like really really good even at the airport in tokyo it's on, a, on a similar thing like when you push it if you go the which i'm sure you do i'm sure you fly business class or whatever when you're doing those long long flights out across the world right but when you go into the lounge they've got a beer machine and you just put a glass into it and it automatically yeah. tips the glass to the right angle oh. and auto drafts it and then rotates yeah. the glass as it's continuing to pour the draft so that you get so a perfect good. beer and then it flashes the the, the kind of cream foam onto the top of it so you get like this perfect you know an inch and a half of perfect head on top of your lager like this is, this is just the thought of everything you're like an inch and a half inch and a half a head's normal for you then <laughs> it is i it is <laughs> can, can we just take that as a sound bite an inch and a half no no no, no, no that's, that's the name of, that'll be the title of the episode inch and a half just myself. the tip i know just for a second just to see how it feels okay. right, very good can I just say, I love the fact that Daz brought the Recythe back in there by saying, like, you know, it's an ice cube that could smash a car's window if you threw it at it. <laughs> Not a better analogy there like that. Not just a really well-made, handcrafted ice cube. No, you could really do some damage here. Honestly, you could you could put a few dents into some serious metal with that big man. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Scalp your Aston Martin. oh man that's funny so actually funny enough talking about south korea the the i like that what you were talking about the kind of food and the drinking culture what i like most about that especially in south korea is it's also a community culture of of people getting together to enjoy food and drink collaboratively to the point where you share everything and i remember we had guys coming over when i worked at mccallan uh, from from uh, South Korea and they brought like South Korean GQ and all these magazines and press and then the team were coming over so it was like a press trip and we took them out for for just lunch just to like to like somewhere in Aberlour like just like a like a soup and a sandwich kind of thing and as the food came to the table you know people were kind of sitting chatting away and then I ordered a bowl of soup and as I looked down 
was two guys with their spoons in my bowl of soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And I was like, of all the things you probably wouldn't share, I don't mind if you get your fingers in some French fries or whatever, but a bowl of soup. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we share everything. I was like, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Just a wee, a wee double dip, do you know what exactly, I mean? <laughs> exactly. Obviously, that was a uh, pre-COVID days, do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe things have changed a little bit now, but at that time, yeah. it, it made me smile, and I was like, you really kind of bond with people over that process of, you know, sharing food and drinks together and stuff, you know? So, that, that, mate, that's exactly it. So, we went to this place called Hotcho, which has become a big sort of thing on social media, and um, it's I think it's Japanese slash Korean pancakes. And, you know, what they do is they put them into like a hot griddle in the middle of your table. And that's exactly it. You slice them all up and you, you kind of dish them all out. And some people do just dive in, right, and grab bits and just, just scoff away. And it's, yeah. it's so communal and it is. It's lovely because the highballs all land. Yep. You're drinking highballs. You're sort of cheersing across the table. And it is a real community piece. It's, um, it is. It's, it's, I'd love it if we could develop some form of that here. But what we need to do here maybe is start eating and drinking at the same time as a starter. And yeah. then maybe we can then maybe we can look at some sharing <laughs> stuff thereafter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. We separate the two, don't we? You go for a bite to eat, and then you go. And two totally pop. different sports, man. Like yeah. absolutely, yeah. it's a really it's a really British thing. I agree with that. So let's chat about the the one of one dads. Then what are you guys gonna do with that? Yeah. Well, so distillers one of one um, it is genuinely about creating one off pieces that are amazing eye-catching the that really get people excited um so excited that you know they they can't really help themselves but go all out and 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 get something that is a real statement piece for their collection or something that they they just you know love dearly um and, and will hold on to for, for for many many years and like distillers 101 when it first started in, in 2021 we had jonathan driver on right mm. and he uh, he joined us um for the episode and, you know, it was amazing to hear about them doing something for, you know, for good and helping disadvantaged young people in Scotland, help them get into work, give them opportunities that maybe they never had at a younger age. You know, that that's something we can all get behind. Uh, some of us can relate to, you know, and, 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 and I think that the industry as a whole coming together to, to do something like that and to generate funds for such a good cause is, is really special. Um, so Bomore did the 51-year-old Onyx um, in 2020, 2021. Um, and this year, we're going to do a product called Stack, which is an incredible piece that's uh, really been inspired by the sea stacks that just sit off the coast of Isla. Um, and, uh, and it's the oldest Bomore that's ever been released. So it's uh, we've gone all out and created a 55-year-old that was distilled in 1962. Um, for this so it's it's obviously sat in glass now for a few years but we feel that this is the right opportunity to um let it out there in the wild i love that bottle as well i mean that's a ballsy move because you look at that bottle and for those listeners that haven't seen this yet i would say about three quarters of that bottle is just black right obviously relating to the stack and then mm -hmm. just the, the smallest bit at the top just reveals a bit of glass and a bit of the color which, you know, for an old bottle of whiskey, it's, that's probably the first time that's ever been done, not, you know, revealing the whole uh, colour of the liquid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's a real sort of, um, it's a real glimpse, isn't it, into the colour yeah. of, of, of the whiskey. And naturally at that age, I mean, it does hold a lovely colour anyway. It was, a, it was a refilled hogshead, actually, that it was full maturation. So it's not, it's not too dark, you know, it's not like a first fill sherry cask. Um, but it's got that lovely golden amber hue. 
you know, it promises lovely, rich flavors, and it, and it certainly delivers on that as well. But yeah, no, I agree. Like the, it's quite an intriguing design. It definitely makes you is want there, to look at it more. And mm. yeah, yeah. Is there a story behind the designer that you guys used for that bottle at all? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the designer we use is a guy called Lexi Burgess, um, and and Lexi is an amazing guy, and he he's worked in the whiskey industry for a number of years and has created some of the most outstanding. Uh, distinctive bottlings you, you know you could ever imagine uh, and some of them are so you know weird and beautiful and wonderful that you could never imagine them which is which is why you go to Lexi right to 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 help you come up with these and um yeah Lexi's an amazing guy he's he's a real whiskey lover I mean he's totally totally um committed to the industry you know and and but he's also about storytelling right he always wants to bring you know whatever the inspiration can be you know, he's always looking to bring that to life in a really dramatic way. So it's been really cool working with Lexi on it, yeah. I'd love to have heard that scenario with, with regards to the design. Right, guys, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide all the colour of the bottle, apart from a tiny wee bit at the top. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, totally. No, it is, it is brave. It definitely is brave. Um, but it does stand out. It looks incredible. You, you might not know this, because I, I don't know if you've read, like, the press release and stuff, but... It's a magnum, so it's a one point five liter bottle. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, an amazing piece. Beauty cat, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's not small. Uh, you know, you could imagine the kind of height it would need to be, yeah. because it is, it's not that wide at the bottom, um, and it does get quite slim as it, as it moves up towards the top. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful piece, and it is quite, a, quite a statement. I think it will become the pride and place, you know, of someone's collection, uh, wherever, wherever it goes, you know, um, who knows where it will end up because the option. Did that designer mm. ever used to mould plastic or is he always just done Lexi glass? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, There's always he one. Hey, do you know There's what? I'm sure, right? Have you got have you got like a wee side job where you write these jokes that go into like Christmas crackers and stuff like that? <laughs> like, they, they've got to come from somewhere. And I I'm 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 certain it's coming from you. Like <laughs> there's, a, there's a job waiting for me doing headlines at the Scottish Sun. I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, this whiskey and malarkey doesn't pan out. Nah, <laughs> I'm writing pun puns. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> totally. But yeah, so um the yeah that that's that's the sort of that's where the design comes from that's where the this sort of inspiration comes from and the yeah the the opportunity to get your hands on that you know is, is through the auction um which is on the 5th of october and that's when distillers one of one uh, there are a number of lots i'm not sure how many exactly i think there's between 35 and 40 lots um in the auction uh, this year round and, and the bowmore stack will I, I i'm i'm certain you know we'll, we'll be grabbing quite a few headlines at the end of it yeah what's the what's the estimated target for them to reach do you know yeah i so i mean onyx was onyx went for 400 yeah you know and and that we we hope we can 400,000 we should just clarify right it wasn't 400 <laughs> not yes, 400 pounds yeah <laughs> like it was a bargain yeah yeah totally so uh, quite a few listeners just writing the date down yeah, exactly. yeah. let's manage expectations here for Mitch and Nick are going 200 in each that's it it's all done <laughs> right, <Yeah. exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> we all don't make your kind of money does do you know what I mean totally <laughs> I just no, that. I mean I think I think if it uh, you know what would be wonderful if it if it raised anything between three and, and sort of five hundred would would be an incredible outcome, right? Um, that that would be really good. Yeah. In the tradition of us doing this, Daz, let's let's do a little guess 
what everyone thinks it's going to go for. And whoever gets Ooh. it right, whoever's the closest has to get the beers okay. in next time all three of us are together. Okay, okay. I'm going to go... I, I would love to see it go for 550. 550,000. you think? 550,000 going once. I'm going to go 486,000. Ooh. I'm going to go 600,000. I'm going to go north. Wow. I'll tell yes. you why. I think it's going to go there because it is so limited and it's a brand that people want those rare one-offs on and there'll be a collector mm. out there that's got something else that wants to put this as the jewel in the crown. That's yeah. my guess. 600. Love it. Love and it. Well, mostly I don't want to win because I'd never want to drink beers with you, you two. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is just your like One billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So look, the, the and, and and it's where the funds are going, right? That's the that's the key, and and it's all for a really good cause for the Youth Action Fund. So the the 2021 auction raised 2.4 million pounds for that. Um, and and I, Mitch and I, I don't actually think we had this conversation, but I went to the what they called the impact launch, where they where they showed you you know exactly where the funds went and the and the good work that it went into, and actually met some of the guys and girls that had benefited from the funds that, that we raised in 2021 and, and it was amazing honestly yeah it, it, honestly it was it was so good it was genuinely probably one of the best nights i had last year because I, I actually wasn't really sure you know what the format was for the night um which is which is not unusual for me um and, uh, <laughs> and, I, and, I, I and that's just when you're with, sitting in with the missus <laughs> yeah totally totally and i went with susie davidson um who, who looks after you know a lot of the great work that we do on, on these releases and you know we were we were both blown away we were both absolutely blown away by it and um, nice. yeah so that that's that really actually it, it made us even more committed to creating something really special this time around right. was there a particular story that stood out for you so there was a young guy actually that um was was yeah from a, a sort of poorer area in scotland and and it was more so like the way that he talked about the confidence. You know, he didn't feel like he back, he didn't back himself. He didn't really feel like he could go after things as much. And what the the Youth Action Fund was able to do was to give him a bit of mentoring and, and allow him to to sort of feel his way through building his confidence. You know, in in a way that worked for him. And and he got a job at the end of it. He was thriving in that environment. And, right. And, and, you know, and just to see that transformation in someone, he got up and on stage and presented to like 100 people, um, you know, and did it so brilliantly. And, and, and you know, he, he knows who these people are. You know, these are people who stand on their feet presenting to hundreds of people every day. Uh, mm. it's, that is not an easy thing for any of us to do. Anyone mm. whose professional is, you know, whose profession is to do that sort of stuff. And he absolutely smashed it out of the park. And it was, it was just amazing to see. And I had a chat with him afterwards and, he, yeah he just he was just buzzing you know he was and he was he was just so pleased that you know it had worked out in, in a way that that's helped him in his life and has now set him up it's given him a foundation to work from um and, and you know and to go and be to you know be a success in, in whatever industries he chooses and yeah that that was that was just one guy you know and there was there was two or three others that that had similar stories but you know different experiences and things but it you know it, it shows you that it works it shows you that we're you know we're doing something for a brilliant cause and if and if great single malt whiskey can do that, then happy days. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now that's the thing, and the, you know, not just the the charity aspect of this. This that that's obviously a, a huge part of it and the main part of it. 
But the other thing that I love about this is it just shows how connected all the distilleries and all the companies are within Scotland. The fact that, mm. you know, we can we can do this and, and every company is doing mm. this, producing a one of one bottling specifically yeah. for yeah. this and coming together yeah. collectively, which makes me very proud to still work in this industry. Yeah, I agree. Totally. And you know, guys guys like Glen Cairn, right? It's not just distilleries. Guys like Glen Cairn are mm. all in on this as yeah. well. Like they're, they're really supportive. I know they've got a couple of people working for them through the Youth Action Fund. Um, you know, so it's not just lip service. I mean, they're genuinely trying to help people um, given giving great opportunities. And, and businesses like Glencairn are, are a great example of that as well. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes easy to forget that there's so many other things going on around this industry other than just making whiskey and products. Yeah. You know, there's suppliers, you know, there's a whole network of, uh, logistic people that there's there's so many other elements uh, there's great technical support engineers electricians you know tradespeople and all that sort of stuff so um there's loads of opportunities you know in the industry especially you know around scotland where it's you know we've got so many uh, different things going on um that yeah great people like glenn cairn are, are really supportive as well and some of the packaging businesses and stuff are involved too so yeah super exciting very cool very cool indeed well thanks for being a part of it thanks for team at Bowmore as well for doing uh, such a wonderful job and having something that's going to hopefully drive that value and get as much money as, I mean, I'm sure Mitch could have benefited that from his younger days. I'm sure, I'm just assuming this, Mitch, I don't know about you, but in and out of juvenile <laughs> detention centres probably, yeah. I'm guessing, <laughs> I don't know what spotty <laughs> past yours was, but either what was way. That? Oh, yeah, that, what was that, what was that young, uh, that young place that they used to send people, uh, young lad, oh yeah, Stuart's Melville, yeah, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that. That, that private prison. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. it's a miracle. It's a miracle he's kept himself out of Berlini. Let's yeah, call yeah. it. Let's call it exactly what we see here. Uh, but anyway, obviously, obviously, the whiskey industry is doing a little bit of good there. So, like all of this great stuff, right? We've talked about the packaging. We've talked about how rare it is. But what's the actual liquid like? Walk us through that. Yeah, it's. Do you know that I mentioned this earlier about the 1960s Bowmores, Black Bowmore coming from the 1960s. The Black Bowmore is actually a very different whiskey to this. This is going back to 1962. And in 1964, what happened is they removed the direct fired stills in, uh, out, sorry, and, and put in steam pan stills in, in 1964. So Black Bowmore was the first run on the steam pan stills. That's the kind of story. That's the kind of the, 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 the product story, I suppose, behind the Black Bowmore. This will be direct fired stills going back to 1962. All distilled in late September of that year on the same day. Um, this would have been 100% floor malted, direct fired, and then placed into a refilled hogshead for, for all of its days. Uh, it was taken out of cask in 2017, which is why it's 55 years old. And I think just what it is, is just an amazing example of the shift that, that you picked up in your 15-year-old, which is appley. It's got all of these lovely spicy kind of uh, fruity characteristics that surround that. And this sort of undercurrent of smoke, which sits under it, sort of smolders away like the smoke drops away after about 20, 25 years. And that intensity of tropical fruits starts to pick up after about 25 years. And the apple and orchard fruits and pears and stuff does start to drift off as well. So what you end up with in the 55-year-old is this brilliant tropical fruity, subtle spice just lingering away in the background. And then kind of keeping it all in check in terms of this balance between sweet and, and, and sort of what I would say is like astringent. Is, is the wood characteristics coming through because it's spent a long time in oak. You're going to get that oakiness coming through, but that's a real pleasant experience because it gives you that little bit of grip 
and it gives you that wonderful texture. It's quite syrupy, very viscous on the palate. So yeah, that's just a wee bit about the whiskey. Um, I, I do have a sample uh, set aside for you both, just a tiny smidgen. Um, so Nick, when you come back to Scotland in 2038 um you know there'll be a sample here waiting for you yeah i'm actually going out to see him in a couple of weeks mate so if you want to send them both right. to me i'll perfect. do that yeah, we'll and then we'll, uh, next time we're recording over in new york we'll uh we'll drink it together and well actually yeah, on that I'm note have that. you got any have you got any travel plans to be out in the states at all no i don't actually i don't at the moment and uh, my travel plans will take me back to asia between now and the end of the year so if i, I may i will be in the states but it, it's going to be next year now yeah right. well let, let yeah. us know and we'll make sure we have a drama or two together and oh 100 we'll, percent. i would we'll, love we'll that. rally a few collectors for you right yeah oh thanks yeah <laughs> lovely yeah. well on that note Daz, it's been a pleasure having you back on never a yeah. chore yeah Pleasure's because i've got to say that do you oh, mean okay. do you mean that Prove it. <laughs> Prove it. Prove it. <laughs> now, honestly, no, it's, it's so, so, so nice to be back. And, um, you know, be, be nice to me, you know, when you do talk about me. I know you miss me and stuff. But, you know, you, you, you are allowed to say nice things sometimes. But, no, it's a real pleasure to, to be back on and keep up the amazing work. And maybe we can do a, a quick jump on post-auction and uh, jump, grab, grab a 10 minutes and we can see who won the bet. And yeah, uh, I'll, I'll let I can let okay. the listeners know just how it all went, but obviously they can follow Distillers One of One uh, on Instagram and things like that just to see how it all goes, um, and they can follow Bomore online as well on Instagram just to just to keep an eye on and how things are moving. If you haven't seen the bottle, boys, are you going to post something on Not Another Whiskey Podcast? Yeah, we'll put it in the, the cover. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm going to send to you as well? If you want to put a really nice photo up of me, I got some headshots done a few weeks ago. Uh, Ooh, sexy. Yeah, Is there yeah, any yeah, chance you can really throw nice. it up instead of the video right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, has it been a tough day in the office, mate? Oof. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. It's, uh, it, was, it was actually quite a tough night the night before the photo shoot. Looks you like always it. do that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, they, they take you out for drinks and then like, cool, the photo shoot's at 7.30 in the morning. Look yeah, good. 7.30 in the morning. Uh, don't bring your red eyes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did the headshot involve like, uh, you know, half an inch and a perfect head? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did they manage to capture your hobo chic look? Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. I actually, I did tidy myself up a little bit for that one. I, I put a shirt on and a tie oh, and everything. Nicholas, Nicholas, you know he prefers lumber sexual, right? <laughs> oh, there you go. I'm gonna have to. Go, I'm gonna Google that on my non-work phone after this. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. not only will it, but the expenses guys hate me. The IT guys are gonna hate me as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> walking, right. talking liability, sir. But uh, all joking totally. aside, it's been lovely to catch up with you. You're looking really well. When I grow up, I want to be just like you. So thanks for inspiring us. Thanks for for sharing some stories and talking to us about your whiskey. Cheers, lads. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Daz.